Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and friends beyond the binary, and particularly the foundation of the podcast, uh, those whose shoulders I get to stand upon and tell bedtime stories or kind of rest upon, or what, what, what is a comfortable way to tell bedtime stories from the shoulders? Uh, the weight's all spread around, uh, yeah, but all you were willing to help. Thanks, patrons. Uh, hey, everybody, I want to do a little bit of a friendly competition here. Uh, you know, one huge way to help the show is to spread the word and ask people to actually subscribe in Apple Podcasts or whatever app, uh, Google Podcasts or whatever app they choose to subscribe in, uh, Spotify or whatever. And I wanted to just uh, like make a friendly competition. That's a huge way to support the show is just to let people know and say, hey, check out this podcast, subscribe to it. And right now, uh, Australia, uh, Iceland, Malta and New Zealand are where the show is growing most. So thanks to everybody in Australia, New Zealand, Iceland, and Malta. Holy mackerel. And uh, I'd like to see, we'll do this for the rest of the summer. And then uh, as we did when Sweden took the title a couple of years ago, uh, I'll figure out something fun to do. So any other country in the world, you know, you start spreading the word wherever you are. And we'll see it reflected. Uh, and, you know, keep up the good work there, uh, Malta, Iceland, uh, Sweden, and New Zealand. Thank you. Uh, great way to help the show. And let's see how it goes. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Sleep With Me is also made possible with the hard work of uh, Carl W., who edits episodes, Chris Bosey posters, and from Sounds Like an Earful Studios, web edits episodes and does his theme music. Uh, Jonathan Mann is on our lullabies. Uh, Kenny, Scotty, and Jennifer on our, on our, on our artwork. Uh, I'm at Dear Scooter on Twitter. You can also find me in your smart speakers. Just say, smart speaker, play Sleep With Me podcast. And you can tell it to set a sleep timer or keep playing it all night long. Uh, what else? Oh, Eric and the team at Astound are on our website. Uh, you can check out all of the great shows at Night Vale Presents. Uh, sleep With Me is a proud member of Night Vale Presents. And our listeners have their own community on Facebook, and I want to thank the moderators over there. Uh, Stacy and Sarah, uh, Julie and Jennifer, Lauren Keith, and uh, that's it. Let's get out with the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake. Uh, like, uh, do, 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 whatever, whatever, try to create a safe place where you set aside whatever's keeping you awake. Oh, whether it's uh, thoughts, uh, feelings, uh, forgetful podcast hosts, uh, visit physical sensations, uh, emotions that you know bubbling up, creeping up uh, that you're experiencing. You know whether you're out of town on the road, you're anticipating travel, or you're you just returned from travel. You got to work tomorrow. Whatever it is, I'm here to help. I'm going to send my voice across the deep dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders. Rusty tangents, extra, you know, words like that. Uh, false starts in the middle, right in the middle. You see, you can't have a false start in the middle of the sentence, can you? 
And I would say, well, you would say, could, could I? Maybe I can. Uh, but there's going to be, like, a, here, here's the thing. If you're new, I'm here to help. Uh, I'm here to help put you to sleep. But mostly I'm here to be here while you fall asleep, to keep you company if you can't sleep, uh, to, to, to be here, to try to help, and uh, to take your mind off whatever's keeping you awake. And the structure of the show, if you're new, starts off with a few minutes of business. That's how we keep the show going. You can find all that stuff on our website, sleepwithmepodcast.com slash sponsors. Uh, and then there's an intro. The intro's around 12 minutes or so long. It's a show within a show. Some people skip it. Most people you put it on while they're getting ready for bed or while they're getting into bed and getting settled. Uh, but if you're new, you know, test it out, see see how it works. But I guess a little bit different. After the intro, we're going to talk about The Good Place, the TV show. And we'll be talking about episodes 11 and 12. It'll be mostly uh, things of like, uh, what color is Michael's tie? What pattern is it? You know, what did that sign say? Yeah, what does it mean? You know, what does it mean uh, to have... Uh, uh, sandpaper, you know, sandpaper sand or something. I don't, I don't know. You know, what kind of, this didn't come up, but this would be, it'd say, what kind of sand do they use in sandpaper? Is it the same kind of sand that gets in my pants uh, and then in my bed? Like if you go somewhere, you say there's sand in my bed. Is this, and I never thought about that to say, it feels like sandpaper. When did anybody has ever anyone ever started a like a, a sandpaper business based on reclaimed sand? I mean, I know sand is constantly being reclaimed, but no one ever brags about it because it's usually reclaimed from someplace. They say, "Oh, this is a fine sandy beach was reclaimed from the bottom of a bog." Yeah, bottom of a bog has a nice ring to it. Okay, so the intros are where I go off topic. I'll be trying to explain something like uh, how we talk about the good place. Then I'll go off topic. Then I'll try to come back. Uh, oh, so the structure of the show. Sorry. Like, uh, so, yeah, intro, talk about the good place. I'll have some thank yous. There's some business between the intro and the uh, good place talk. Yeah, but really, this should be a good place to sleep. But now, it doesn't work for everybody. Give it a few tries. But here's the thing. You don't really need to listen to me. I'll probably be talking about sand and bogs and reclaiming sand in a minute and trying to make that in a metaphor for the podcast. Uh, so that's what I'm going to do. Like, uh, that's during the intro. Uh, yeah, you don't need to listen to me. That's what I think I was saying. You can kind of listen. Hopefully, I'll be just engaging enough uh, to take your mind off of stuff. And you say, well, yeah, you're right, Scoots. Uh, you know, people are getting stuff like reclaimed from barns. There's reclaimed wood. Like they say, well, this wood was at the bottom of a river. And we reclaimed it. First off, no offense, but I'd say that's malarkey because I'm just, I mean, I'm just having fun. I'd say, listen, wood baron, that's a bunch of malarkey. Uh, take me to the spot where, where there was all this wood at the bottom of the river. And how, how'd you find it? Uh, and they say sonar. Uh, I say, oh, okay, touche. Uh, they say it's a well-known thing. That I say, okay, okay, never mind. I won't use you as an example anymore. I'll go to the sand reclaimers next. 
Uh, so you don't need to listen to me. Hopefully I'll be just, a, you know, but you've heard of those things. Like they say, well, this was reclaimed from an old barn. They say, well, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Say reclaimed from the bottom of a bog. You'd say, well, I'm not too sure about that. Uh, reclaimed from a river? Fine by me. You, you know, we're, we're interesting folks, us human beings. And let me just get, you know, let me just get, follow my thoughts for a minute. You say, well, reclaimed at a barn. Well, I like looking at barns, but I guess if it's a, if it's going to fall over, or it already did. Uh, you know, maybe, but I like looking at falling over barns, too, when I'm driving by. But, you know, maybe there's a, I, I don't know, so I'll stay out of that. I'm, I'm just saying that's what my thoughts would be. If, if I was going to pay, I don't have money to buy anything reclaimed, except for when it's in the scratch and dent bin. But uh, yeah, that's uh, my reaction. I'm just giving uh, an example. And if you said, rec- oh, this sand was reclaimed out of the bottom of a bog. And, you know, believe me, I'm a bog lover. But don't you, there won't be, you wouldn't get anybody other than, by, you know, somebody with expertise that loves bogs more than me. Also, hold on while I Google what a bog is. If it's not the same thing I'm imagining. Uh, but, you know, I would still be like, uh, they say, before you lie down in this fine sand we have it here at our uh, uh, private beaches, maybe you get the right staff member, you say, hey, uh, you're just wondering, is this natural sand? No, oh, no, it's reclaimed sand. It, uh, because this isn't a natural, you know, this isn't a natural beach. It's a reclaimed sand beach. They say, oh, really, where did you reclaim, where'd you reclaim it from? Oh, the bottom of... Uh, uh, you know, old Bunker Hill bog or something. You say, wait a second, dude, that's not true. You can't have a bog. And I don't know anything about bogs, but I know you can't have it on a hill. He said, well, it's just a terminology. Okay, but anyway, you, this sand came from the bottom of a bog. Did you clean it first? That's what I'd ask right away. Even though, no offense, bogs, that's just a gut reaction. I know you're probably, you know, you're, you're the circle of life. Who am I to say, are you clean or not? I mean, obviously, this pristine, 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 pristine white beach in my mind. But that really is a lot of times. I mean, the only place I know really is like, uh, I think I was taking a ferry at Disneyland once, and they said, yeah, we got all this white sand from the bottom of this bog. And then they came and they said, sir, you're no longer commander of this vessel. Uh, You're out of work. Uh, We don't use terms like bog here. You know, we call it a lagoon. And uh, I said, come here, come here, I'll hold you. Well, uh, uh, one day I'll use you as an example on my podcast of why people don't need to listen to me. He said, come on, Captain Captain Joan, you know, let me pat you here. Come on. It's okay. I think it's a bog too. Uh, but this is really bogging down the intro, if you don't mind me punning around. But did you ever notice that? You say, well, yeah, I don't know if I want to. And then they say, okay, well, what about this beautifully polished table here? Reclaimed uh, from it. You'd have to use some sort of uh, adjective first about the type of river it was. Uh, I don't think pristine, mighty. I think mighty. Is that an adjective or an adverb? But uh, you'd say the, might, the mighty, you know, gooseneck river. Oh boy, really? This 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 table was reclaimed from reclaimed wood from the bottom of the Gooseneck River. Oof! Wow. How much does it cost again? 
Oh goodness, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I go, I'll go to I, IKEA. They reclaim it from like sawdust or something, and uh, contact paper uh, reclaimed from you know their finest you know composite materials. But that would be the most marketable. I don't know what any of this. You know, I make this podcast. Sometimes I go on tangents up and say I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Uh, but that uh, you don't need to listen to me. And there shouldn't be you know under no pressure to fall asleep. I'll be here. Uh, you know, just uh, bogged down in my own mind, uh, trying to reclaim my thoughts. That's actually what this podcast is. It does have reclaimed thoughts uh, from a pristine, mighty river, by the way, not from bog. Except I think I'm like, uh, when I did one of those mail-in things, they say, okay, take it, pluck your hair. They came back, I was 85% bog. Say, really, huh? 85% bog. 14% peat moss. And I said, I said, what the heck? Like, uh, and then, uh, it was one of those, I guess it was one of those comedy ones where you mail it in and then they, you know, send you something back hilarious. If that doesn't exist, by the way, I just patented that idea. You know, the comedy, the comedy ancestry kit, uh, except it wasn't funny to me. I said, really, I'm 88% bog. Peat moss. I don't even know. Like I said, I couldn't even tell you a peat moss from a regular moss. And I said, isn't peat moss in a bog? I think I accidentally read that in a headline recently. Okay, let me get back to the new listener. So so you don't need to listen to me. No pressure to fall asleep. Though. I'll be here for about an hour to keep you company, uh, to be your friend in the deep, dark night. And if you can't fall asleep, I'll be here to the very end. I think I may have just said that, but... uh. Like, the, the, like, because I know there's some of you, I don't know, I know what it's like to lie there tossing and turning, but really just settle in. Like, maybe like, a, like, what if, how about this? We reclaim, what if this, here's a business idea. We reclaim peat moss in bogs and we come up with a new system where you're floating. I, I, don't, I don't exactly, can't picture peat moss exactly, but the finest uh, purified peat moss, uh, so steeped in alliteration, and you can float on there in a bog, uh, you know, pristine bog, uh, pr- pristine-defied from all, you know, living stuff that would get on your nerves, uh, and you can just float there. And Scoots will tell you a tale infused with, you know, organic scents, and good, the good kind, that uh, come in, like, the oils, uh, and, you know, calming music, uh, massages, wa- you know, massaging waves, all that in, uh, in my peat bag. And that's kind of what the podcast attempts to do, but I'll be here talking to you to keep you company. And ideally, you'll drift off on that, like uh, your little patch of peat moss uh, floating around, getting comfortable. And so that's what I'm here for. It doesn't work for everybody, clearly, because uh, I don't even know, like, I had a. I mean, it it did it was a surprise. I said I thought I was like sugar and spice uh, and everything nice, and they said what? No, and I said and you know puppy dog tails. Uh, I realized that, uh, and then I said who? Then I said I'm already at the end of the intro, but who came up with that anyway? Who was this, uh, like uh, who in the 1940s was against you know they said uh, puppy tails? You know, leave the puppy tails alone. 
And yeah, aspirational. I said, one day I hope to be made up of sugar and spice. Well, I probably not because they say then somebody's going to try to make a freaking cookie out of me. At least if I'm made up of a bog, a bog and a peat moss. It, it, when you're made up of a bo- bogs and peat moss, you have trouble saying stuff sometimes. Uh, they say, at least people will leave me alone. You know, they, and they say, well, that makes sense. Uh, you know, that's why I'm a, a kind of independent being. They said, it all came together. When I looked at those results, I can't tell you the other uh, percentages because I'm not good at math, one. And two, most of the other ones are things that uh, witches put in their cauldrons in cartoons, like I have newt, 0.5% I have newt. And they said, who? Oh, man. And I said, wait a second, I have newt? I've always wanted it. I said, doesn't it give me some special powers, though? If it only had 1%, that's when you get the special powers. Same thing with dragon scales, 0.075%. It doesn't take hold until you're at 0.25. So even in the strange ingredients you could be made of, uh, I'm like, uh, I'm I'm on the downside. But whatever, but you say, well, likely careers, putting people to sleep, number one. And they say other people sharing these results, uh, there was a, it was very low, so whatever. I mean, you know, I'm making the most of what I have, uh, and I don't know. I thought I was trying to make a, a small metaphor about the podcast there, but yeah, I'm here to help. I'm here to help with the ingredients I have to work with, and I hope it helps you put to sleep. But it doesn't work for everybody. You listen to somebody ramble on about bogs and reclaiming sand. When is the ant? You know, when are they going to say put put the, like uh, one day? Maybe I'll do. I say put the freaking sand back, uh, and then I'll be the most. They say scoots. What happened to all our beaches? Oh, hey, hey, well, here's the thing. I declaimed them one night when I did. Uh, I did uh, get extra dragon scale and new power. I flew across the world. It gathered up all the sand. Kind of without planning it out first. So I may have taken sand. I may have declaimed sand and accidentally reclaimed it, kind of unclaimed it uh, somewhere else. Yeah, basically, I took all the beaches and threw them in bogs. And then the bog report would be, you know, live, we're live from bogs around the world, which have been filled with sand, overfilled. Uh, we're here with the representative of the frogs. Uh, they'd say, well, we blame the newts and the dragons because... Uh, we all we know what the new it was the newts were behind this. I say not again. I, I just go back to sticking to making a sleep podcast, which is what I do best. I'm a bit goofy, but I'm here to help. Uh, so give it a few tries. I really work hard, believe it or not. I strive and I yearn to help you fall asleep. Thank you so much for coming by, and let's listen to a couple ways we keep the show going. All right, so we're talking uh, Season 1, Episode 11 and 12, starting with Episode 11, What's My Motivation? And uh, really, uh, it, it sounds like a line from like a classic, like a classical actress, uh, like a femme fatale would say that to a director. Yeah, but yeah, so it opens with, uh, let's see, What's My Motivation? Bigger than... Pocket. Oh, there's a bigger. Oh, there's on Michael's desk is something that's bigger than a pocket watch. Uh, he's with the ethics team. Final point totals. Oh, Eleanor came in sixty. Oh no, number six with uh, two million five hundred thirteen thousand six hundred fifty-four. 
don't know if we ever got Chidi's score. Chidi is number 16 in the neighborhood. Who are the people in our neighborhood? In our neighborhood. Well, Chidi's in our neighborhood with 1,948,668. We know that uh, 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 Jason is second. I can't remember his point totals. And then 321 out of 322 people, I think, is uh, Tahani. She has, still has 997,485. Probably a bit of a burn for her to be under a million. Uh, let's see. Michael's desk. He's with the ethics team. Final point totals. Eleanor's six. Uh, crazy high Eleanor. That's uh, funny. I put the formula question mark. Uh, oh, and then he says the average. He says roughly. I said, what kind of angel uses the term roughly when it comes to mathematics? I said, you're, you're, you're rocking my Euclidean ideals here, Michael. I don't know what that means, by the way. Yeah, but I just thought it sounded good. Uh, he says the average for a resident up there is 1222821 so that's really not that bad for uh, Tahani because she's only like 300,000 below average. Eleanor, on the other hand, she has negative 4,008 points, which I think underlies her point that it's like, hey, well, what about a medium place? Negative 4,000 to me, that's pretty medium. Uh, negative five points. Cubase. Negative five points. Oh, smug. I don't know what that means. Uh, but uh, then Eleanor gets, uh, I think maybe she loses five points for saying something about a caboose or something snarky uh, or something. Then she's holding the door and waving. I think that's, what it, I, 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 hopefully I have it written down here. Tahani says how many points that's worth. Um, let's see, I think I have it in here. But she's holding the door and waving. I would say that should give her a lot of points. I mean, I would like, I love when people, that's my move is waving and uh, holding doors. Uh, and I just said, well, okay, that's not getting any points. I think it's worth like something like 10 points, maybe. Uh, let's see. I know it's tedious. Oh, no, three points. And she said, if you do it for everyone in the neighborhood, that's a thousand points. So a thousand divided by three. I believe is like 333.3333, you know, a bunch of threes. So that means there's like 300, whatever, even a number that splits by uh, by two, if they're going to have, uh, it, it, you know, how come, I mean, I'm, I'm not like, uh, they always have um, one person, I mean, I guess I, once you watch the whole season, but uh, what do they call them, life uh, goal? what are the people called, life goals? Uh the person you're supposed to love forever. Uh, I'm not kidding. My brain is totally drawn a blank. Uh, they say, Cheaty, this is your love lifer. Your uh, pair, your perfect match. It's not. It's something like that. Uh, I'll think of it. But how come there's no poly ones? I mean, really, I, I, I would, I, I mean, maybe in the next season there is. I don't know, because they just really, they cover, they're very, like, they're very open-minded and they cover a lot of things. Uh Tahani does not know what Walmart is. Uh, she has a teal, a small teal planner. Not really a planner, though, Scoots. It was more of a, it kind of seemed like something, like it had a, 
a place for a small stenopad. And it was more for taking notes, but it was nice. But it just, it didn't, like, I guess it maybe I don't know, a tutor, what does that say, versus a Spice Girls. Someone versus a, oh, uh, the Spice Girls in Archbishop Desmond Tutu had a falling out that T- Tahani had to deal with. Uh, GD and Eleanor, I love your awkwardness. I don't know what that means. Jason's wedding ring is like off the charts. I put, is that a wedding ring? Uh, like, question mark. Huge. And um, she's, Michael's not my dad. There's so much gold. I mean, if you're not watching the show, uh, do it tomorrow. Uh, how many tongues would you want me to kiss you with? Uh, I'm not a girl. So uh, Jason and Pillboy talk in the top ten swap cities and guac money and showing their best friends. Uh, Amy Kuda from uh, uh, from uh, who played uh, Tinkerball uh, like a while back and a show that had a huge influence on this podcast. Did I say a show that had a few food influence on this podcast or a huge influence on this podcast? Uh, she was on the Guild. She was one of the stars of the Guild, so check that out. Uh, they're talking turkey, though. Uh, cafe, frog issues, uh, Glenn. Oh, chicken soup Glenn's in this one. Lemonade and cookies is what uh, uh, Tahani serves at uh, focus groups, uh, so I'd say. But they're having the focus group at Eleanor's house. She said, that was an interesting decision. Uh, but it makes sense because then uh, Tahani says, well, this will be the fourth most important party I've ever th- thrown. Like, instead of taking a focus group, they're going to have a... Uh, and I said, man, I know that they're going to leak out the other top three. That'll be cool to find out what the top three over time. Maybe I missed a couple already. Uh, Michael and Janet, uh, his tie is like some kind of, oh, he's with Janet. It's like a gold feather, like not gold though, more of a bronze, like a bronze age bronze, like feather tie. I mean, towards the, towards the center, it gets green, really nice. Oh, I put here almost amber and a very yellow pocket square, uh, like a royal type yellow to a gold. And he sends, uh... Janet to her void. Then they're going through uh, who's going to be at the party. Uh, and uh, um, uh, Chidi has uh, flashcards for everybody. Uh, they're phonetically, they have phonetic names on them and also other info I couldn't read. I probably do love her. Is uh, motivation correct? So there's a seed planted here. Because uh, they're talking about love of real Eleanor versus fake. You know, Chidi and Eleanor talking love. And he plants the seed, like, is my motivation co- correct? Which is, uh, pays off. Uh, secure score. Oh, her score goes up by 20 points. Because uh, I think just because she helped uh, Chidi make a dis- like, uh, figure stuff out, maybe. I don't know why. And he has a big smile. He's standing by the shrimp, Cheaty. Big jumbo shrimp with a jumbo smile. Uh, real, oh, real Jianyu. Oh, and uh, fake Jianyu. Uh, uh, or Jason and real Jianyu have uh, the same IQ. But uh, real Jianyu had become like enlightened at age seven, so he'd stopped learning then. What does this say? I love bowls. 
uh, say your uh, chilies 50 times. Let me take a look here in the uh, Sayers Chilies. It does not make any sense. Uh, okay, so we got you. Oh, he also says, I was pretty successful. That was uh, so good. Uh, what did he do 50 times? Okay. Such fear. Uh, that was who was the first one. Don't overthink it. Uh, score went up by 20 points. Uh, you have the exact same IQ. Oh, he saw red hot chili peppers fifty times. That makes sense. Uh, saw, but I have a Y in there. Chilies uh, fifty times. What does he love though? He loves bowls. Uh, oh, he oh he he had his, okay. That makes sense. It, it, it's a little bit like uh, deciphering things. He lo- Jason did have a. Uh, now, they didn't describe his personalized license plate, but it was that he loved B-U-T-T-S's. Uh, and I said, okay, well, I'd like to know, I'd like to see that license plate to say, was it I space L-O-V-E space B-U-T-T-S-S? Or was it I, you know, L-U-V or I heart you can get sometimes? Was it, a, did he capitalize the B and butts or are all, all license plates capitalized? I don't know these questions. You know, hey, did you use some, I guess probably it's not as easy to read for lowercase. And again, uh, Jason comes through for us because he can still help Michael relax when he touches him on his chest. Uh, and uh, then we see Pillboy with his uh, golf dimple hat. Uh, Jason is in a purple crushed tracksuit. I would love, I mean, I said, man, where do you buy one of those? I could use that. I'd probably get too hot. But still, uh, Swansea, uh, safe company. There's a Jamaica drink there. I think Megan Ace is, uh, playing the, the clerk, uh, the, my favorite writer on the show. What does this say? DiGiorgio or something. They put Megan A in the house. Lovely. Party, holy yellow dress. I said, honey, like uh, resplendent as always, but extra resplendent in this yellow. There was the macaroons, the sandwich macaroons, which it turns out we'll investigate that later. I mean, I'm definitely probably pronouncing it wrong, but there's a tree of those sandwich macaroon cookies or macaroon, I don't know, macaroons, whatever you call them. Two kids, Madeline's. Coconuts. Why does two kids, what's two kids mean in there? I don't know what the two kids is in there for. Megan A's name tag says Susan. Uh, 12.30, Michael gives his speech. Definitely, there's, oh, in the background, there's like a punch bowl fountain. It's the fanciest thing ever seen. Like, uh, it was gold and uh, silver it had flowers at the top, a frosted yellow, like red light behind glass in the middle of the fountain. This was just for serving drinks or something. Uh, Tahani says that Eleanor's a Walmart of friends. Uh, B-Day Nefect Glenn laughs. Oh, bo- bo- nobody, bo- nobody's perfect. Bo-buddy's nerfic, uh, Eleanor says. And Glenn's the first person to laugh. Uh, Chicken Soup Glenn. Uh, first humor sucks up there. What does that mean? Go, go in last uh, first. Oh, humor. Oh, humor must suck there. That's what I put. Uh, 
Gun lasts first. Uh, 39.93. Negative 39.93 still. That's what Eleanor's point total is. But Eleanor figures out. It's about motivation, man. Then he put, does it mean, oh, so this did cause me a little bit of a personal dilemma. Because I said, does it mean, like, does Eleanor's realization, I guess because I like to, you know, learn all my life lessons from uh, comedy to, like, uh, sitcoms anyway. That's how I always did it as a kid. He said, does that mean that it has no real moral value if your motivation isn't correct? Like, if you're doing moral things, like, uh, does it have no moral value? And I put, what about fake it till you make it? Uh, then Eleanor has a new plan with uh, T-shirts and notes uh, with Bo Buddy's Nerf shirts uh, that reminded me of my Spam shirt. They seem like the colors of the brand for Spam. I guess maybe because Michigan, uh, maybe they're Michigan colors. Uh, someone behind the show went to Michigan or, or maybe... Uh, I don't know, or I, I guess Eleanor is supposed, like, I assume out the character Eleanor did. Uh, Jason slept in his dad's office, in Michael's office. It uh, gave me a kick. It also reminded me of my brother-in-law, who's married to my sister. He was big on call, but even before him and my sister were married, he, uh, I, I wish everybody could do, spend time with me, my family, because uh, I can't do it justice, uh, but, you know, a lot of people in my family, like my dad, is pretty awkward like me. My sister's husband is a very Gregorious, uh, friendly person. And he was really looking forward to calling my parents mom and dad. And I think I, mean, I think it was before they were married, maybe at another wedding. Yeah, he said, hey, listen, like, yeah, because my, my sister wasn't there. So he was, like, out to lunch with my parents, uh... And he said, hey, uh, I think it's time for me to start calling you, you guys uh, mom and dad now. What do you think, mom and dad? And they, my parents love, love him very much. I won't say his name. Uh, but uh, uh, And uh, I think they got a kick out of it. But it was also like a little, like, uh, you know, we have in- intimacy issues uh, or vulnerability issues, whatever it is. Uh, Michael, uh, my pen ran out of ink here, but Jason has slept at Michael's office. Uh, He's got a gray pocket square and a like a black watch tie with that black watch pattern. Then J- then we see how Jason Jason goes to the big farm. Uh, Jason is her first love. Uh, Jason is Janet's first love. Uh, it, Jan- who doesn't like leggings, his pants, and genocide? I think it's uh, huh, who is that? Oh, yeah, this is uh, Janet. She's becoming aware. So she says, yeah, I don't like leggings, his pants, and that other thing. Uh, he was also teaching her the Dorito flavors. Then another out. I don't know who goes out. Maybe that was when uh, Jason goes out. Yeah, then we see that Eleanor's total has reached 1,362,322. And uh, we're at the town square. On a side, we don't really get a lot of views of. So we see Celestial Perk. Uh, so we see Celestial Perk, uh, Warm Blankets. Uh, oh, they're going to head to the neutral zone. Finally, a medium place, uh, which is good news for, for a lot of us. Uh, and Low Pajamas, Jason. Uh, then Jason's there. He's in a more of a mud rust-colored warm-up suit. Uh, Sea arrives. What does that mean? Sea arrives. Uh, Jetpacks and such. 
sweatsuit arrives. Sweatsuit C arrives. It's always a mystery. This uh, I don't really know what C arrives mean. Uh, but jetpacks and such. That's another store. And uh, sweatsuit. Oh, train arrives, but train doesn't start with the letter S. Oh, Sean. There we go. I knew I'd figure it out. S E A. And that could be an N. It could be also SEC, but it's Sean. The uh, judge shows up. Uh, they take Sean's uh, tr- train. It's uh, episode 12. Uh, then we go into episode 12. Maybe they didn't take Sean's train yet. I don't know. But uh, episode 12 is a really good opening because uh, it starts. Uh, I think it starts. I can't remember the music now. I didn't write it down. I think it's uh, My Way. And Eleanor's walking through a. Um, a, like a supermarket, like a regular supermarket. And not, it seemed like a regular one, not a chain one. Just because those ones are just more chill. Like, uh, I don't know. They have, some, you know, they have something about them that non they haven't been vanilla and sanitized to like where you say, I don't know. I can't, I can, all they can do is impulsively buy things in this place. Like an independent grocery store, you're more likely to have your other emotions creep in, like Eleanor is in the scene. Or she's more numb. Yeah, the name of this episode is Mindy St. Clair. Eleanor buys a bottle of Basero Basero Basurio tequila, which Basura means trash. Lonely Gal Margarita Mix for one. And it's, there's a car- cartoon character in the bottle who says, you don't need them any- anyway. Uh, we stay with the shrimp theme. Eleanor buys 99-cent shrimp. Uh, at the checkout, Tahani's on the cover of uh, International Sophisticate uh, with a dove in her hand. And the name of the article is uh, Not Just Camilla's Sister. And I guess it probably Tahani paid for that, uh, or you know, she probably just you know did some kind of sponsored content. We also learned this was an awkward episode to watch with a eleven-year-old. Uh, you think maybe the last one too? Uh, but uh, we learned that Eleanor loves watching wedding fails on YouTube. But then we see how Eleanor goes out to the big farm. She uses the term whale humper. That was classic. Uh, then J- they're on the train, and Jason already forgot where they were going. And Eller says, a medium place. And Jason says, can we stop at 7-Eleven? I need gum, a fool brush, oh, football cards. A fo- it looked like I said fool brush, which I don't know, or a foot brush, but football cards and scratchy tickets. Also, there's a caboose, and the, there's there's the engine, one train car in the caboose, and then we learn uh, things that Jason thinks are S E X Y because he's been teaching Janet about those things: Lamborghinis, uh, spinning rims, twenty five twenty thousand followers on Instagram, uh, lollipops, latex pants, Carl's Jr.'s ads, and. Uh, S-E-X-Y without the Y, you know, blushing time, baby. Let's see. Uh, Oh, uh, this was interesting. I put uh, two question marks after it. Uh, Sean says he's there to try case 0, 0, 0, 0, I think four zeros. I can look. uh, Three. 
And I said, okay, double question mark, because they said, who, okay, we'll, we'll find out later in this episode, so it's not a spoiler, that Mindy St. Clair, I'd presume, is uh, 00002. And so then I, I, I don't know if in season two, I haven't seen all of season two yet. Is, uh, is, do we get to find out who is it? Zero, 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 one. And was there zero, 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 zero? Uh, bad Janet uses the term jabronis, uh, pawns back at Michael's desk, uh, uh, cold hard facts. That's what Sean likes. He also likes cocoons. Uh, when we get to Nindy, Nindy, Mindy St. Clair's neighborhood, her neighborhood is neighborhood N-A, N-slash-A. Uh, so I don't know if that's not available or not applicable. They didn't know the difference. I didn't, I didn't look that one up. Uh, Janet says she's out of range. Uh, and first Janet says, I love walking. And then very quickly, like a, a child, she says, I don't like walking. Then we get to see Mindy's welcome video where we get a little bit of her backstory. Trevor shows up on a BMX bike. I thought that was great. Uh, uh, he also has wearing a Top Gun jacket, warm beer, uh, Eagles live covers of almost every song. So she, she's going to spend, Mindy St. Clair is in the medium place, I guess. It's eternal mediocrity. That is different than the medium place. I think uh, Mindy's been there for 30 years. She was a lawyer in the 1980s. She started a charity. She says, don't buy into this morality nonsense. Then we get to a view of uh, Eleanor's 29th birthday at work. She was, uh, they brought her a chocolate frosted cake, but Eleanor seems to prefer a cake with white and pink frosting. Yeah. Sean wants the whole story. Not sure what that means. Most of them remain emotionless, like Kristen Stewart on the red carpet. That's at 1021. And that's okay. That's like straight out of the podcast. Really fun. Really great scene. Do yourself. I think that's at 1021. I'll, I'll know in a second because I'm like uh, watching the show uh, out of the corner of my eye. Then they could do Eleanor's Memories Reviewed. They're in her house for that. Uh, Sean says, I've been asleep in goo for 29 years, like in his cocoon. That's when I put, so was Mindy's case uh, 0002? Oh, because I put two and two together. Is 29 minus 30. I don't know why they, I guess they say, well, then maybe Mindy's case was number two. Okay. So then we see, like, they put up a screen with some of, uh, uh, Eleanor's uh, things she's done. She heckled mall Santa's nine times. She took a selfie in the restroom at her aunt's funeral. Uh, 224 times she stuck gum in public places. Uh, she gave a B rating to a restaurant so it would be less busy. She took a scarecrow from a fall foliage display. This is when it, I, I love writing like that from a fall, like so specific uh, to put in her car for, so she could go in the HOV lane. Uh, she lied about her age so she could eat off the kids menu. Uh, she uh, under, under the influence adopted dogs twice and then, you know, didn't un, unadopted them. 
sneezed at the salad bar 12 times. Uh, 88 times youth fundraiser. I don't know what the rest of it is. I'll have to look here. Oh, actually, I won't be able to find it. She probably, like, 35 times of, uh, she spoiled movie endings 35 times. She gave the birds a bird, the middle finger in traffic, uh, 823 times. And then when she was not in traffic, she flipped people off 120 times. Uh, Eleanor adds a picture of her friend. Oh, yeah, so Eleanor brought, a, like, a, a tote bag, actually, with her. And she has pictures of uh, Chidi, uh, I think, uh, um, I don't know who else, uh, Tahani, maybe Tahani and Jason. And she has her own books. Uh, she gets to choose between Cannonball Run 2 and the making of Cannonball Run 2. I wonder what that youth fundraiser, 88 times youth fundraiser. I think she, like, took things from youth fundraisers or, or, or bargained them down or something. Uh, Janet and Jason are trying to consummate their wet, their marriage. Uh, then we see 24th birthday. Oh, and, and Eleanor's 21st birthday. She cr- crashes someone's quinceanera with an air horn. But Chidi still believes she's worth it. Uh, and he says, I, I helped her to, to, to Sean. And then, uh, Tahani says, I helped her too. That's what friendship is. That's what friends are for. You know, keep smiling. It, it, like, really, Eleanor doesn't know, but she could always count on them for sure. Uh, Sean, Eleanor, and Jason, bad place. Oh, Sean says, you know what? Eleanor and Jason got to go to the bad place. I don't care. He enters the walkie-talkie protocol. Uh, what does this say? Web protocol, web or something. Oh, then we see uh, Janet and... Uh, Jason Sutra pictures. These are some of the things they're planning. Web crawler, triple double. Those are just two. I think there's one or two more coming up, maybe. A couple I wouldn't, you know. Uh, Chidi and Tahani, they, uh, Sean says they're not innocent either. Oh, Leapfrog and Merry Go Round. Those were two other positions they were contemplating. We don't really know about a lot about Janet's anatomy or J- Jason's knowledge of any anatomy. Uh, Eleanor and bag. Oh, she's, she starts packing up her tote bag. She uses a great line, what we owe each other. Oh, no, that's a book she's putting in her bag, what we owe each other. Uh, both J- Jason and Mindy St. Clair say, don't do it. Um, Mindy St. Clair, you just got to watch it for the comic relief. Uh, she has a lot of um, vase or what are those called urns around her house. I didn't really I haven't really studied her house, but it, it comes up. We'll see it again. Sixteen forty five. This was killer. Michael comes in dressed as Janet uh, with the final food for because uh, uh, they say, oh because at some point Sean says you know if if uh, Eleanor and Jason don't come back, Chidi and Tahani, you got to go to the bad place. And I guess Michael's assuming they're not going to come back. So he comes with their final food, dressed as Janet, with frozen yogurt with sprinkles on there. And uh, Tahani says, I don't know how I'm going to deal with uh, tap water and knock off handbags. And uh, uh, Jason, or uh, Chidi says, you got to be kidding me, right? So that's what you think is going on at the bad place? 
I just saw one of Eleanor's coffee cup. I think it said, uh, oh, maybe it was Andy's Coffee, the place, uh, and it has her name on it from Andy had been in, like, uh, Eleanor's boyfriend, boyfriend didn't like Andy's Coffee because Andy was a, 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 you know, J-E-R-K. Uh, then they're trying to, Eleanor's trying to get Janet to leave and start to train. And she uses a fast and furious term, ride or not ride protocol. Uh, also, we find out Jason has a phobia about the movie Ratatouille. And, and uh, that was hilarious. Uh, make things tolerable, not moral. Seems to be the Mindy Sinclair and Jason way. And Eleanor says, you know what? No way. We got to own up. Then we meet Doug and Donna Shellstrop. Uh, and we learn that they're like her mom, Donna's a WrestleMania fan. Her dad's just uh, lame. He's watching basketball. I couldn't tell if it was NBA or college basketball. Uh, Eleanor has him sign her emancipation papers. I can't remember how. I couldn't tell how old she was, like 12 maybe or 14. I don't know. Like, uh, I think she already had a couple jobs. Uh, but she did say she had to fake her age to get her first job or second job. But she's ready to move out on her own. Her mom also likes drinking rosé or blush via through a straw. Oh, here's where everybody's talking slow. Yeah, there's 12 minutes left in the video. So that is the right time uh, that I said before. Yeah, then they say, okay, we're going back. Uh, and they get back, uh, Eleanor and Jason, but the time is up. Oh, no, the clock ends before they get back. And... Uh, John says, put on these fedoras uh, to Honey and uh, Chidi. You're going to the bad place. And then they get back. Oh, I just saw, like, yeah, so it was like uh, like getting hassled by, hassling youth at uh, fundraisers. That's what it was. Uh, uh, selling various items at fundraisers. Um, but, yeah, so Sean says, okay. Then they get back. Sean sighs. He's got a great sigh there. Really good at uh, uh, seeming annoyed. Uh, then, uh, he says, I just want to go back, get back in my goo and go to sleep. I said, Sean, you should listen to this thing. And he gives them 30 minutes to decide who's going to the bad place, uh, out of the four of them, uh, Jason, Eleanor, uh, Tahani or Chidi And the episode comes to a close. Uh, so this is a pretty good episode. Now we'll run through some facts that I had to look up here. Right, so we're going to start off with a Wikipedia article, Wikipedia article on fedoras, because uh, they said, I don't know, I probably have looked up a fedora before for this podcast, but then I said, I don't know, like, uh, you know, I know when I see it, but that's not, we can't, you know, we, we got to dig a little bit deeper. And so, and this is already useful, a fedora is a hat with a soft, I said, well, that was what uh, uh, Justin Timberlake used to wear. Or, you know, that's what they say. What's a fedora? Scoots, tell us what a fedora is. A hat that was once on Justin J. Timberlake, uh, but not anymore, probably. I mean, maybe five years from now, but currently, uh, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, uh, but that's what I say. Okay. He, like, he looks good in a fedora or did. Maybe if those are fedoras, I don't know. But not many people, I'm like, who else could pull that off? Like just off the top of my head, uh, well, I don't know. Let's just—it's a soft a hat with a soft brim and an indented crown. 
It typically creased lengthwise down the crown and pinched near the front on both sides. They could also be creased with teardrop crowns, diamond crowns, center dents, and others. In the positioning of the pinches can vary. Typical crown height, though, 11 centimeters, 4.5 inches. And the brim can usually be 2.5, 6.4 centimeters wide, but maybe wider. It could be left raw-edged, uh, like left is cut. Those would be the ones you wear at, like, a Jimmy Buffett concert. Or, you know, you see, like, uh, 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 or finished with so- sewn overwelt or underwelt or bound, bound with a trim ribbon. Uh, stitched edge means that there's one, two, or more crowns of rows of stitching radiating inland, inward towards the crown. The Kavanaugh edge, both words capitalized, is a welted edge with invisible stitching to hold it in place, and it's a very expensive treatment that can be no longer performed by modern hat factories. So that's how you get a, you get a, you know, you're getting a bespoke hat if it has that on there. Uh, many, let's see, now, don't confuse them with small brimmed hats, by the way. A special variation is a rollable, float-away, or crushable fedora. That sounds handy. Maybe that's, uh, I just don't know if it covers your ears. Uh, the, uh, the term fedora is in use, it started in use in 1891. Its popularity eventually soared when it eclipsed the similar-looking Homburg, H-O-M-B-U-R-G. It comes from a 1882 play, a fedora, which was written for Sarah Bernhardt uh, and first performed in the United States in 1889. Uh, Bernhardt played uh, Princess Fedora Romazov, the heroine of the play. Oh, and she was uh, like, uh, during the play, uh, she wore a center creased soft brim hat. Uh, Prince of Wales took on a thing in 1924, uh, and uh, they, you know, the prohibition. They were cool with uh, people running, uh, running bootlegging. Uh, Tom Landry is another one uh, who wore fedora. Indiana Jones. This is uh, Vice refers to the early 2000s as a fedora renaissance. Yeah, see, I said uh, Jay Timberlake. Also, uh, they say Johnny Depp and Pete Doherty. Uh, but by 2016, it uh, is oh, you know no longer. Uh, so um, yeah, so that's a little bit about fedoras. You know, if you have stack and fedoras, I'd say hold it. It'll come back. Like, don't sell it. Uh, like, hold on to that stack. What about Cannonball Run 2? Was that the first Cannonball Run movie I saw or not? Because uh, it wasn't Cannonball Run 1. I think it was Cannonball Run 2. And I saw that on HBO as a kid, and it definitely, uh, I didn't see Cannonball Run till I was probably like in my, like, uh, like 18 to 22. But it, Cannonball Run 2 is a, a 1984 American comedy starring Burt Reynolds in an all-star cast. Uh, set around a cross-country race. It was the last of the formula comedies for Reynolds. It also had uh, Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra, uh, as long as also Sammy Davis Jr. and Shirley MacLaine. So it was a fa- final on-screen appearance of the Rat Pack team. 
Uh, Jamie Farr was in it. Uh, Ricardo Montalban. Uh, some, you know, and I say, well, this is an 80s movie. Not exactly open-minded, I think. Uh, uh, they have like a, like a mad scientist and then J.J. Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise uh, racing. And uh, let's see, then you have Dean Martin and uh, Sammy Davis. Charles Nelson Riley's in it. Uh, Telly Savalas. So, wow, it really is like uh, Mary Lou Henner. Uh, as we said, Shirley MacLaine, Jackie Chan. Uh, kind of plays like a spy like character. Um, we have here Susan Anton, Catherine Bach, uh, Mel Tillis, and Tony Danza, an orangutan, uh, Tim Conway, and Don Knotts. Uh, Jim Neighbors, uh, so Alex Rocco, Abe Vigoda, holy moly, and uh, who else, anybody else? Uh, but basically, it's a cross-country race. Uh, let's see how the box office was. Opening weekend, $8.3 million. Uh, 32nd most popular 1984 film, lifetime gross at $28 million. Ha- took in half the takings of the first movie. Uh, only a 14% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Probably a good Saturday afternoon movie. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it a half star out of four. So maybe not. I mean, maybe you have to see it when you're a little kid. Uh, Gene Siskel also gave it a, uh, uh, said it gave movies a bad name. And he said it was his least favorite film he saw during his time on at the movies with Ebert's. So, wow, it got the Golden Raspberry Award. So I guess it didn't do very good. I guess, it, it, it like, in my memory it has, a, but I haven't seen the movie in a long time. But it was the first Cannonball Run movie I saw. Though I guess when I went back to Cannonball Run, we were watching, like, like we would uh, be, be, you know, uh, doing things and watching Cannonball Run and then the movie where Burt Reynolds was like a, I think Hooper, I think it was called. Uh, what about BMX bikes? So that also came up. And uh, re- originally denoting a bicycle intended for BMX racing, the term BMX bike is now used to encompass race bikes, uh, those used for dirt, ver- park, street, flatland, and all BMX disciplines of BMX. Uh, BMX frames are made of different types of steel, aluminum, uh, the cheaper low-end bikes are usually made from steel. High-end bikes are chrome, chromoly or high-tensile steel. All oh, those can be ha- ha- heavy. So high-performance bikes are usually lightweight chromoly. Uh, the introduction and widespread popularity of the cassette hub uh, ushered in the small gear, the use of smaller gearing on BMX bikes instead of the old 4416 gearing. On older bikes, they now use uh, gearing 3313, 12, 11, 28, 10, and other ones, uh, all of which have gear ratios of 2.8 to 1. About uh, advantages of smaller gearing include lighter weight, more clearance when grinding. Uh, freestyle hub is all extinct due to several factors. Uh, the smallest freestyle free wheels can be made is with eight teeth, and they're less consistent than cassette hubs. 
And most of freestyle, street and park BMX bikes have 36 spokes. Race bikes also have 36 spokes. But the smallest racers, like little kids, uh, can ride bikes with 18 or 28 spokes. Uh, some people going hardcore might want up to 48 spokes. Uh, but those are becoming difficult to source, according to Wikipedia here. Let's get in the history, though. BMX started in the 70s when children became, just like a lot of great things, uh, and uh, kids started racing in Southern California on dirt tracks, uh, drawing inspiration from motocross superstars. Uh, the size and availability of the Schwinn Stingray made it the natural bike of choice since they were easily customized for better handling and performance. And it became a phenomenon by the mid-70s. Children were racing bikes uh, off-road, especially built tracks in California. Uh, The 1972 motorcycle racing documentary on any Sunday, it could have inspired the movement. uh, Because its opening scene shows kids riding Schwinn Schwinn Stingrays off-road. George Esser founded the National Bicycle League as a nonprofit motocross uh, sanctioning organization in '74, uh, and then uh, they also promoted motorcycle racing too. Uh, but they, you know, the, with their kids, they enjoyed BMX racing, and uh, they didn't have uh, the absence of the presence of the National Bicycle Association prompted George to start the NBL in Florida. This is exciting stuff. 1977, the ABA was American Bicycle Association was uh, organized by naturals. Okay, so that's probably enough about BMX. It started in uh, Southern California, where you know that's where all the cool stuff starts. Here's something I don't—I never knew the answer to. What does a caboose do? I mean, I lived my life, and you know, I, know, I love the word caboose. You know, it's a beautiful word. It's something you're always looking for as a kid. You expect it to be red. It doesn't always red. But what does a caboose do? I did not know. So it's a miracle of this podcast. Maybe I'll even remember. A caboose is a manned North American rail car coupled at the end of a freight train. They provide shelter for the crew at the end of the train who are long required uh, for switching, shunting, uh, keeping a lookout for load shifting, Equipment damage, uh, you know, overheating axles. Uh, originally, flat cars fitted with cabins or modified boxcars. Later, they became pers- purpose-built with projections above or to the sides of the car uh, to allow the crew to lean out and observe the train from shelter. Uh, it also served as the conductor's office and on long routes included accommodation and cooking facilities. A similar railroad car design, the brake van, was used in British and Commonwealth trains. And now there they probably had better you know, regulations because it also served the function as supplemental braking systems for trains not fitted with the continuous braking systems and keeping chain couplings taut. Uh, they were used on every freight train until the 80s. Uh, oh, yeah, cabooses were used on every freight train until the 1980s when safety laws requiring the presence of cabooses and full crews were relaxed. What a ripoff. Uh, people who had to work on a train now without a caboose? Yeah, developments in modern, uh, you know, other stuff. Uh, 
nowadays are only used in this man you know holy cow that's uh, that stinks uh goose started in the 1830s when railroads housed trainmen in shanties built onto black boxcars or flat cars uh, but the caboose provided the train crew with shelter at the rear of the train they could exit the train for switching or to protect the rear of the train when stopped uh, they could also check the train as we said uh, so there's a little bit about cabooses, and uh, I guess when when a child asks Papa what happened to cabooses, you could say it was a bunch of jabronis that had to, that's what happened to the cabooses, which was a term used here. And uh, according to Wiccan Wiccanictionary, uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson uses used to use the term a lot as uh, uh, a rendition of the wrestling term jobber. Uh, who loses to make one of the wrestlers, other wrestlers, look better. It had been used in the past. So that's where it comes from. Uh, a performer whose primary role is to lose uh, to establish a talent. So I guess it wouldn't be a jabroni that got rid of the cabooses because that would mean, yeah. It'd be a jabroni that took credit. Well, I'm the one that got rid of cabooses. The scoots did. Uh but now it just means somebody that doesn't win. So I guess we, we, we're the jabronis because we live in a world without cabooses, except, you know, when they're there for just looking purposes. Okay, what about IQ? Really quick, uh, it, it, just to get, let's get some facts out here. It's a total score derived from several standardized tests, uh, the intelligence quotient. They say it assesses human t- intelligence... Uh, the abbreviation was co- co- coined by William Stern uh, in a 1912 book. It is typically obtained by dividing the person's uh, mental age score uh, after administering, administrating, administering an intelligence test by their real age, and it's exp- expressed in terms of years and months, resulting fractions multiplied to up by 100 to get the IQ score. If you could follow any of that, your IQ score is much higher than mine. Uh, it was just something about median raw score. Uh, there are estimates of intelligence, by the way. But, I, I mean, I do I, I do listen to a podcast by someone that has, like, a genius IQ. And he's a genius. Like, I'm like, I love listening to him. He's a genius analytically. Uh, and just he, he, he also has, like, a general intelligence and interest and curiosity about the world. Uh, so yeah, that's a little bit about it. Uh, there's a lot more, uh, to dig into, but, uh, I just wanted to say, what was it? Uh, okay. So Jamaica, uh, that's how I pronounce it, which is, uh, J-A-M-A-I-C-A. Um, which I get to, like I said, I was, if you listen to this podcast a lot, I was lucky enough to spend a year in East Los Angeles, uh, at the tail end of the nineties working there. And it really got a, oh, that went to jabronis. So we could, maybe we don't have that info. Uh, but Jamaica, that's how, I may be mispronouncing it, but that's how I thought I learned to, uh, is, uh, oh, I thought this was supposed to go to hibiscus tea. Let me look up hibiscus tea, though, in here. Oh, beverage, here we go. A tea made of hibiscus flowers is known by many names in the many countries around the world. It's served both hot and cold. Mike is usually served cold, known for its red color, tartness, and unique flavor. Uh, this is, has a high vitamin C content. Uh, 
It's known as Basop in West Africa, Gul A Khatmi, maybe in Urdu and Persian, and Agua de Jamaica in Mexico and Central America, because it's known as the Flor de Jamaica, or Hul in India, Roselle. Uh, in Jamaica, Trinidad, in the uh, Caribbean, it could be known as Sorel. Um, so just a cool drink made from hibiscus flowers. It's actually, it has just a very unique taste, uh, and I do enjoy it uh, ice cold. Speaking of spices, what about these Spice Girls? Uh, who who are they that Tahani was talking about? Uh, well, they're an English pop group uh, they're from 1994. Holy mackerel. Melanie Brown, who played... Uh, 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 spice, uh, Melanie Chisholm, uh, Melanie Chisholm, uh, Sporty Spice, Emma Button, Baby Spice, and Jerry Hollywell, uh, Ginger Spice, and Victoria Beckham, Posh Spice. They signed to Virgin Records, uh, released their debut single, Wannabe, in 1996, hit number one hit in 37 countries. Uh, their debut album sold 31 million copies. Uh, follow-up album, Spice World, sold 20 million copies. They've sold 80 million records worldwide. Uh, one of the best-selling pop groups of all time. And the biggest British pop phenomenon since Beatlemania. Uh, among the high-profile acts in the 1990s. Uh, uh, been called the most recognizable face of cool Britannia. In the 90s, uh, they did a 2007-2008 reunion tour. They still have, like, uh, have a pop cultural relevance, uh, whatever you say. They had a movie. They, they were coined the term girl power. I don't know if they coined it, but they popularized it. Uh, they made a movie, Spice World. Uh, uh, they're known for, they, they're still making a lot of, doing a lot of good things. Global grosses of the movie, maybe 500 to 800 million. Uh, they're mentees of Simon Fuller. Uh, they embrace merchandising and a regular feature in the global press. And uh, they, you know, it was an idea of like kind of competing with the popular boy bands uh, was what their formation was. So just just a little bit about the Spice Girls. And then finally, let's clear up this macaroon. I, I mean, I don't know. There's So when I heard up until, I don't know, 10 years ago, I, when I thought of a macaroon, I thought of a coconut macaroon. And that is one of my favorite cookies. I don't consume a lot of them, maybe like once every few years. Uh, is a macaron, they're, they're like a coconut macaron. But then at some point, you start seeing these fancy sandwich cookies, uh, uh, which are mac, which are spelled similarly. I thought that was the same word, but it turns out they're different. And they said, "What? Whence went my childhood? Like, was there ever a coconut macaron, or is that another thing I imagined before the podcast?" And so then I googled it, and actually, Sherry's Berries of all places. Uh, has an article from 2016, March 29th. It says macaroon, M-A-C-A-R-O-N-S versus macaroons, uh, M-A-C-A-R-O-O-N-S. What's the difference? And it says, do you know the difference between these two popular cookie types? And I said, nope. Uh, I know what the difference they look like is. 
And they say, once I start thinking about that delicious coconut cookie, I can't, like I said, well, the sandwich cookie's not for me. Aside from, according to this, aside from being delicious and similar in spelling, they're entirely different cookies. So hold the phone. Uh, so first off, a macaroon, which has two O's, is coconut-based, where a macaron, we'll just say, is meringue-based. The amount of difficulty, oh, here's to go, they get the, the, the here we go, the proletariat, yeah, yeah, whatever. I don't know who that is at the top or whatever, they got to throw this around. The amount of difficulty making them are extreme opposites. Uh, one will have you stressing in the kitchen for hours, while the other can be whipped up in minutes. Uh, macarons, uh, okay, they even have how to spell it, uh, range in color and flavors in a, uh, uh, well, macaroon, roon, yeah, macaroon versus macaron. While they're both great to take to parties, you wouldn't take a macaroon to a French soiree. Well, excuse me, unless they like coconut, uh, know it all. <laughs> we got macaroon angst. Uh, still not sure what we mean. We break it down for you in our infographic. Uh, so the macaron with one O actually comes from the word macaroni. It's meringue-based. It usually has almond flour, egg whites, and sugar. And they were once uh, a single cookie recipe thought to have been brought from Italy to France uh, by Catherine de' Medici. And they got an upgrade, upgrade from uh, a tasty upgrade and became the sandwich cookie we know and love today. I mean, I, I, I would love to have a macaron tree like at Tahani's place. But I just, if we could just come up with different, say, fancy sandwich cookies, I guess that doesn't do it either. But it's just too confusing for me. Because, like I said, I can't get coconut out of my mind. And they say, well, yeah, I could go for that coconut. That, uh... But, yeah, so what's in a macaron? Oh, no, macaron we're talking about now. That comes from the French word macaron. 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 Grated coconut, egg whites, egg whites, and powdered sugar. Uh, there's many macaroon or origin stories, but it's probably American twist on the French macaroon. Uh, thanks to Indian imports in the 1800s, coconut became a hot item among bakers uh, and was used to. to uh, I, I guess how does how would a sandwich cookie? Okay, well let's see the characteristics of a macaroon. My phony phony frown. Uh, FBI's tapping my telephone. A delicate, that's from, uh, that's a little flavor, Flav, by the way. Uh, anyway, a delicate eggshell-like crust with a meringue inner texture. It has a delicious filling of either ganache, buttercream, or fruit jam. Ratio of the cookie to filling two to one, but don't overdo it, they say. It's not overly sweet, and there's a lot of varieties of colors and flavors. Man, they must not sell macaroons because it really, they say macaroon is a lumpy and dense texture for a homemade chewy feel. Uh, shredded coconut gives it its signature taste and texture. Extremely sweet. Uh, you can also get uh, chocolate dipped ones, lemon flavored ones, squared ones. They only take 10 to 20 minutes to bake, but, uh, you know, those have love in them. I think they both probably do. Man, this article really is throwing these cookies. Uh, it says there are versions. They're crumbly and messy to eat uh, <laughs> for the macarons. Uh, 
says it requires patience, skill, and practice. Uh, the key step is called macaronage. I said, man, holy flavor, flavor. Uh, ground almonds and sugar carefully folded in the meringue. And these aren't very aren't crumbly. They're easy and clean to eat. My rear end. Uh, I know when a marketer's written something. Uh, best enjoyed within a couple of days. Average cost per cookie, two fifty. Average cost of a macaroon, uh, one fifty. And they can last up to three months if frozen. Yeah, so that's a little bit about macaroons versus macarons. I mean, I guess you know where I fall. I mean, I'll, I'll eat a cookie. Did it say 250 a cookie versus a dollar cookie? No no chance of that. Uh, I don't think. I mean, that would mean if you made two dozen cookies uh, of the macaron, macaroons, uh, no way those costs. I'd, I'd say 40 cents a cookie for a macaroon. Now, macaron, I bet you it's expensive because you need almond flour, egg, like uh, in that other meringue stuff. I don't even know how you make that. Don't you need to whip? Uh, I think to make a meringue, you got to whip, uh, you got to make a uh, fluffy egg whites, right? So, I mean, I'll eat them and I probably would enjoy them because I do love almond. Anything with almond. I mean, maybe I'm a macaroon fan and a macaron fan. Who you say macaroon? I say macaron. Actually, no, we're talking about two different cookies. Uh, so let's call the whole thing off. Uh, anyway. Just like a creamy folded cookie, I want you to gently rest uh, with your pillows nearby and get comfortable and sink into bed, folding you, uh, you know, like like a meringue, puffy clouds uh, underneath you, soothing and comforting you as you drift off. Good night's. All right, I want to thank everybody over on YouTube. Uh, Helena, Deborah, Stephen, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Jamie, uh, Nolan, and Shay, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Chris, Bose, and K O N, uh, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, K, Min, and Kyle, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Polka, uh, F rap, uh, F, uh, uh, and Euro, uh, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, J, Becca, and Vesna, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Ethan, uh, two, and Elizabeth, uh, thank you, thanks, and good night. Andrea, uh, Kel Bell, and Miss B, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, thanks, everybody, on uh, YouTube. Over on Twitter, I want to thank uh, Carrie, uh, Cara, and Lee. Thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, I want to thank uh, Sleep, uh, Charlie, and Aaron. Thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Leticia, uh, JG, and... Uh, uh, Nyan, uh, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Racha, Carrie, and Joe, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Cardi, uh, Spectral, and Roberta, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Tessa, uh, Jenny, and uh, Om Shadi, thank you, Om Shadiddle, uh, thank you, thanks, and good night. JS, 
JS, uh, Texas back, and uh, Elizabeth, thank you, thanks, and good night. Graham, Martin, and Danny, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Abby, Ululu, and Nicola, thank you, thanks, and good night. Um, uh, Frey, uh, Rebecca, and Stephen, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Kai, Stacy, and Jelly Sack, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Dr. Revo, uh, Audrey, and uh, Posty, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Lab, Laura, and Megan, thanks, thanks, and good night. Sally, Jay, and uh, Boreal, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, uh, Muhammad, uh, Lisa, and Hannah, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Kay, uh, Susan, and uh, Newton Bean, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, B. Kelly, uh, Paul B. and uh, Greater Boston, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Amelia, uh, Shailen, and Geo, thanks, 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 and good night. Uh, Patricia, uh, Dan G, Icy Wiz, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Cinderella, and, uh, Valkyrie, and Jerry, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, the infamous Crismo, Mystery Bard, and uh, Julianne. Thanks, thanks, good night. Rebecca, Alyssa, and Megal. Meg- Meg- uh, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Jay Harrison, Napoleon, and Tim. Thanks, thanks. Thanks, and good night. Thanks, good night, everybody.